Hi folks, welcome to a new episode of the Books to Last podcast. This week we are joined by Deja from the City of Deja blog and the Deja Saw YouTube channel. We had a really fun time talking about her list, some really great recommendations in this one, so I'm going to let you dive right in. I hope you enjoy. Deja, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me and I'm doing okay. It's quite early and I usually don't get up this early, but it's going to be a good productive day. So I'm doing good. Good. We like, uh, we like good productive days. I'm a bit of an early bird myself, but it also means I go to bed at like eight or nine o'clock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I went to bed past like two. So <laughs> that's yeah. my issue. I had the first one of those for a while this weekend and I was in <laughs> interesting shape the next day because I'm not used to it. <laughs> um, well, really glad you're doing well. What are you reading at the moment? Anything good? Anything just okay? <laughs> um, I think I'm, I'm reading so many things, but I'm kind of in the beginning of a lot of them. So it's hard to say whether they're like capturing my attention or not because I got to give them a little bit of time to um you know brew I guess <laughs> and get past the exposition but uh the first thing I'm reading is Ace of Spades uh by Farida Abike Iyamide so I got that over the week not over the weekend earlier this week because the cover is just so gorgeous and I've been really really wanting to read it ever since I heard about it so um I'm reading that I also started Strange the Dreamer um, which I've been hearing so much about by Lainey Taylor so I'm really interested in um reading a little bit more of that. And uh, the third book is one I just started listening to, and it's Before Jamaica Lane by Samantha Young, and it's a romance in the On Dublin Street series. So three very different books, um, and I'm only in the beginning of all of them, but I'm making a little bit of progress, so hopefully I can do that today. Uh, I've, I mean, I'm so like in awe of people who can read multiple books at the same time. <laughs> I tried it for the I think for the first time in a while I've tried doing multiple books like this year and it just is like a surefire way of making sure I read nothing because I'm so indecisive of which one to pick up next um yeah. so I've I've decided I've just I, I just can't do it but I'm, I'm so impressed by people who can I ate I've had ace of spades on my radar as well I'm waiting for my copy to show up because I did pre-order it so I'm still waiting for it to arrive. Um, but it's been one of my anticipated reads for a really long time. I I know, same here. So looking forward to reading it. So far, I think I'm like a hundred pages in. So I'm farther enough in that one, but we can I'm still definitely in the beginning. But yeah. I think the fact that I went to bed super late is because I was reading that book. So yeah. Always a good one, one that keeps you up. I um yeah, I remember I added it to my TBR, I think when it was announced, like months feels like years ago just because time what even is it yeah <laughs> um and then I got the notification that I think it was a Luma crate were doing sort of a a box and a special edition of it and I was like oh I just I feel like I have to because <laughs> I really just I've been looking forward to it for ages so yeah I um I will look forward definitely to your review I'll keep an eye out for it when it comes out yeah it should be coming sometime <laughs> at the end of the month hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed. oh yeah no I mean that is I 
sometimes take months before I actually get around to reviewing a book. Yeah, but we don't we don't need to talk about my terrible (laughs) scheduling with stuff, because sometimes like if I feel like, oh, I have so much to say about this book right now, then I will. And other times I'm like, I do have a lot to say, but I kind of just want to start another book and not have to like reflect on this one. So I don't know why I do that, but it's a weird thing. And so sometimes reviews don't come until way later. It's sometimes it's good though because it's been it's given you a chance to sort of I suppose form I suppose complete thoughts about it. I've had some books where I've come out of it and back when I was in like good habits, I quote unquote good habits, um, I would write a review straight away. And then because I was so fresh out of the book, my perspective wasn't quite I suppose adjusted and then when I yeah. sort of came back to it a few months like not necessarily that it would be different but I'd maybe had some time to think about it a little bit more and be maybe a bit more coherent <laughs> right or it's in. like maybe you wouldn't say what you said in your review as yeah. much like sometimes especially once I finish like a really good like romance or something mm-hmm. I'm like oh my gosh like I absolutely love this I love the author's writing and then when I think about it more, as it starts to kind of leave my brain, I'm like, well, it didn't make that much of an impression on me. So I'm definitely in that same realm of like my reviews right after, you know, maybe don't read those. Yeah. <laughs> maybe don't read them. If I, yeah, if I review a book, like if I've, if I've quite enjoyed it, I've got through it pretty quickly. A book is highly, like a lot more likely to get five stars off me if I review it a couple of days after I finished it than if I give myself some time to think about it contextualize it with my other four and five star reviews and decide that yes. maybe maybe it's not quite five five I need to be maybe a little bit more particular yes I think honestly I'm a little bit like too stingy with my five stars like sometimes especially when I um, see like other people who read about the same as uh, what I read each month. And they're like, every single book I read this month was a five star. And I'm like, I haven't had a five star since February. (laughs) So it's like stuff like that. Like I don't give it out that much, but I'm thinking maybe I should more, but also am I going to change? I I don't think so. So that's a weird thing I do. It's hard to know over a long period of time though, because I think it is the books that leave like a really lasting impression. I feel like those are the five stars since and it's hard to tell because I mean I have a lot of books that yeah I really enjoyed but when I'd come to like think about what has really left an impact it's it's not a lot and when I I have to sort of every now and then I go through my sort of all-time favorites list on Goodreads and maybe have a bit of a an edit just because it's like I don't have an edit just to see it yeah I was like no I don't really feel like that maybe quite qualifies it's a it's a good book I would recommend it to people but it's it's not quite there but yeah it's yeah. um it's a difficult one it's also also really good though when you get a book and it's so good that you feel like you have to rethink every five star you've ever given <laughs> before because yes oh my gosh yeah it doesn't feel like it, it feels like it should be on like another level a sixth star some other six star yeah <laughs> yeah something like that so it's always really good when you do get to I suppose completely rethink your entire rating process um uh, yeah too bad <laughs> yeah I um I'm in between books at the moment I think I just finished finally City of Brass <laughs> oh okay I've been wanting to read that I really, really enjoyed it. And when I was really reading it, I didn't want to put it down. But because the last couple of weeks for me have been just some other kind of level of busy and it's just been everything I can to remember to sleep and eat between everything I've had to do. Reading has just not 
been something I've had time to do. So it's, I had like 8% of the book on my e-reader mm-hmm. just waiting and it had, it had stopped at such a good part. And that's when I'd put it down because it was late and I knew I wanted to find out what happened, but yeah, it's, it's such a good book. It's definitely, it's definitely deserving of a lot of the praise it gets. So I think I'm going to maybe read like a graphic novel or something to weed me into a different yeah. book <laughs> just palette a little cleanse, palette, yeah, cleanser. <laughs> palette cleanser before I sort of dive into something else well excellent so a few books all in the early stages um guess we can move into a few more books that you do really enjoy some five yeah. stars some favorites um but before we get into that for any listeners who maybe haven't heard the podcast before um books the last podcast uh, challenges book lovers from all over the internet to pick the only five books that they can take with them when they're cast away to a mystery remote location. Um, Now, the mystery remote location, as always, gets to be picked by our guests because I do not force a desert desert island upon everyone. Everyone gets to pick where they want to go. And uh, Deja, where would you like to be isolated to? So for me, I um, live in the southern United States. So I like need a fully change of scenery um so for me it's going to be Hawaii which I know it's like a uh, Hawaii but it's uh, specifically it's going to be uh the big island like named Hawaii so it's like Hawaii is made up of, of a ton of different islands and the one I'm choosing is called Hawaii which is kind of funny and I'm only choosing that because um like my best friend is actually from there but we met in college so I haven't actually been there um, but from the way she talks about it I'm like you know what I would be okay with reading on the beach there forever so that's my choice. And I also think it's like less populated. Like it's not as highly populated as like, uh, I think Oahu or wherever the capital city is. There are less people there than actually like on that entire island than like in my town, I think. So very interesting dynamics with that. Uh, but if I'm deserted there alone, then I think I'll have enough room. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Hawaii is one of those places that's it's always been on my list of places to go. But I mean, being based in the UK, um, the flight is quite a long one. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's even long from like the US because it's so isolated. Yeah. So it's one of those they have to sort of it's a it's a big holiday. It's not a, a quick getaway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you need yeah. to plan that out. <laughs> not one I've had a chance to go to, but hopefully one day I would really love to because it looks gorgeous there. So yeah, an excellent choice. Now we can get straight into this uh, list. I'm very excited to see what books you're going to be reading on the beach in Hawaii. So uh, without further ado, what is the first book you'll be taking with you? Okay, so the first book, um, and just for reference to this list wasn't that hard for me to make only because, like I said, I don't give out my five stars that much. And all of these but one are like five star reads for me. Uh, but this first one is my first favorite book of all time. And that is Anna and the French Kiss by Stephanie Perkins. So I don't I feel like people probably already know what it's about, but I'll give a small rundown, which is that it's a YA contemporary romance about a girl named Anna, who is from uh, America, and she's sent to Paris or to live in Paris um, for her senior year of high school, basically at this like boarding school. And that's all I'll say, because that's all anyone needs to know. And it's a romance between this guy who she meets, who becomes like her best friend. And um, I feel like I have to have this with me because it is it's one of my first books that I ever was like, this is an all time favorite. Mm. Like it was the first time that a book had really done that for me because I got into reading, I guess a little bit late. I was like 13. Um, So I wasn't a huge reader when I was younger, but after I read this, 
you know, all bets are off. It has stayed like my favorite YA romance for years and years. And also like a really pretty 10th anniversary edition of it came out last year. So I would take that with me. (laughs) I I have to have that with me wherever I go from here on out, even hypothetically. So, yeah. We like, uh, we like special edition, 10th anniversary um, edition. Yes. Yes. Always very nice. I, so Anna and the French Kiss is not one I've read, but it is a, it's kind of a staple and a cornerstone of sort of YA romance. It's one I always hear a lot about. It's, it's very, very popular. Um, has the author I mean is the author got many other titles I suppose in a similar genre just because I mean I know the French Kiss is the only one that I can sort of think of but I don't read that much YA romance okay yeah well she does um so it's in a companion series I guess Mm. is the best way to describe it a lot of romance is usually um like adult and YA romance is usually they are gonna be in a series Um, But it's like it follows a different main character each time. So you can technically read them out of order if you wanted to. Um, But the second one is, second one in quotation marks, is um, Lola and the Boy Next Door. And then the third one is Isla and the Happily Ever After. So there's three of them. It's Anna, Lola, Isla. And they're all connected in that they all kind of know Anna, I guess. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it because the second one is set in San Francisco. And then the third one is set between New York and Paris again. And so some of the characters kind of show up in the other ones, but those are the only three like why contemporary romances that she actually has out right now. Um, her newer stuff has actually been like horror YA books. So oh, wow, I haven't read them yet. <laughs> but that's some I range. Do- yes, definitely. <laughs> Which I know that she loves like horror movies and things. And so I think the first one came out in like 2017. It's called There's Someone Inside Your House. Um, and then there's another one coming out actually this August I can't remember please don't quote me on that um but it's also going to be basically like a slasher like teen horror novel um but she only has the the three that are like the romancy ones which is what I've read yeah I so I mean I've read a little bit of YA romance but I I mean the Sanhaya Menon series uh, the um when Dimple met Rishi and then all of the ones that go afterwards. And I know- Okay, I read that first one. Yeah, I, to be fair, okay, so I love When Dimple met Rishi. It's great, but I actually really prefer the other books. I think my favorite one is this. Which one is it? um, So I think my favorite from that series is probably um, There's Something About Sweetie because that's, I think that's the last one. Uh, Oh, no, no, second to last one. Um, Okay, because I have one. It's, well, I thought I did. 10 think, things I hate about you uh 10 things I hate about pinky that is also a really good one. Oh, okay yeah I need to read that one still because I do own it <laughs> yeah they're all sort of classic um classic rom-com names so there's from twinkle. oh yeah yeah so there's when dimple meant rishi there's from twinkle with love uh there's something about sweetie and 10 things I hate about pinky and yeah they are actually I mean it's it, that I I read more I suppose adult romance than probably YA and yeah it's like a well-established but also a trip I really like with the series that just moves around I say a friendship group or a family or whichever just because I think it's a nice way of staying in the same world and set of characters without it being I suppose about the same ones every time Yeah, I absolutely love that about romance, um, especially like with adult romance, because I feel like that happens more often there. But I didn't know, actually, that those are all in the same series. So now I totally need to to read the other ones. I read When Dimple Met Rishi, I I think like the release year. So it's been a really long time. 
which kind of works out because I didn't know that there were so many others. So I definitely want to read those. Yeah, I think so. I think that one interconnects more with there's something about Sweetie and 10 Things I Hate About Pinky. From Twinkle With Love, I feel like it's in the same world, but now I'm not sure just because it's format. Honestly, the books all look the same. They've got the same cover format and everything. Um, But I don't think there's as much crossover um maybe with the characters so I may I may get corrected if, if anyone knows who's listening and would like to explain to me if there is a connection that would be much appreciated but um also equally good I like I do like all four in the series and uh when Denpo Marishi probably was probably the first big YA romance that I listened to uh, that I read but okay yeah uh, but Anna and the French Kiss is one that definitely I've heard a lot about and it's quite cool that it's in a series as well Um, Yeah, and I feel like everyone has their favorite. Like, I personally love Anna a lot. I just did, like, a reel on Instagram of, like, the bajillion copies of that book that I own. Um, We don't need to talk about that, though. (laughs) Um, But I feel like some people, it's either, like, you're an Anna person or you're a Lola person or, like, you love Isla. But mostly it's, like, Anna or Lola. People are, like, there are people who love Lola and the Boy Next Door and they're, like, Anna is just okay, so... Yeah. I'm definitely like I love the first one a lot so yeah maybe it could probably comes down to this kind of romance tropes you listen you like because I find with those series especially you get depending on how many books there are in the series you get a good run through of all the main sort of tropes there are in yeah. dating so I mean there's things you know you've got fake dating and then there's sort of I suppose the holiday romance and all of that sort of thing depending on what you personally like maybe comes down to what kind of character you like definitely I think because especially like thinking about Lola and the boy next door like it's a boy next door like type of romance and so while I love that I love that in Anna they're like friends first they're like best friends yeah and then it kind of goes so I guess that's like a friends to lovers yeah the friends to lovers trope and then I mean you've got it in um when Dimple Mate Rishi is that that one I don't necessarily hate to love maybe I suppose I think I think 10 things I hate about Pinky's probably more hate to love because it's more of a rivalry kind of don't really get on don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things and then kind of goes from there and then I mean oh there's something about Sweetie's probably like a fake with more like secret dating than fake dating because they are dating but it's more secret and that sort of thing so I yeah you get a good sort of cycle through of the main YA tropes and that sort of well the main dating tropes because I suppose they you can use them across different genres and that sort of thing but yeah that's really I mean are we mixing up a lot of genres or is this the only YA romance on the list this is the only YA romance but I do have one other romance on here but it's an adult romance Um, and this is one that I read I think for the first time in like 2016. So I had, I'd read like a ton of romance by then. So it's not like this became my favorite because it was the first romance I read. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it, it's above the others for me. And I've, there was one year, I think I read it like twice in the same year because I was like, I've missed these characters so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, I think the other ones are like more fantasy, um, which isn't very like representative of me because although I do read fantasy books, I wouldn't say, like making this list, I was like, okay, I guess I enjoy fantasy more than I thought because there are three fantasy books on here and only two romances. Yeah, I think it is interesting. We've had that with a few people with making their list. It's kind of 
it's not been what they expected genre wise and and uh, with what they ended up picking so yeah that should be really interesting so i mean what is the second book that's joining the list are we going into immediately into genre or into fantasy even we are so the next book for me is going to be uh, a court of missing fury by sarah j mass this is i feel like half of the internet's favorite <laughs> book but rightfully so i absolutely love this book so so much um, it's the second book in the Akatar series, um, and it's a fantasy romance. I feel like that like term has become more popularized in the last couple of years because when I first read it, I wouldn't have said that it was a fantasy romance. I would have just thought it was a straight up fantasy book, but it makes sense because the romance is like the main part. I think especially of this second book, um, and then of course later on she starts to write even more romance in her books. Um, Sarah J. Mass does, but this one it's like it has almost everything that I want in a book. Um, <laughs> characters that I love. I like that it's also a story about like healing and it's like an emotional journey basically. So I'd have to take it with me because it's also extremely long. It's like 600 plus pages. So I would never get bored of reading it over and I would never get bored of reading any of these, but this is the longest book I think mm. on this list. So I could really dissect it and have all the time in the world to do so. Um, I also, in my personal copy, have added like a ton of tabs. So having it with me, if I'm like deserted somewhere, I could just tab it up even more. So that's why I'm bringing it. And I, I, I realized I didn't say what it was about, but I feel like people probably know um, mostly. Yeah, I, I mean, if you, I suppose, I, I say this, I suppose if you've been on anywhere on book Twitter, you've definitely heard of a Court of Thorns and Roses series totally and it's a, it's it's YA fantasy romance fairy based and that's pretty much all you really need to know <laughs> yeah that's it that's <laughs> it because the first and second book are completely different so it's like I don't even want to give too much yeah. of a synopsis of that first one because the second one has my heart fully <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's fairies and it's very well loved I which is kind of Sarah J. Mass's um, specialty. So I've only read Throne of Glass series, bar the last one. Okay. <laughs> um, because I read all of them in one go and then I had to wait for the last one to come out and then I was out of the world. So I didn't oh, finish okay. that. A Court of the Court of Thorns and Thrones series is one that I've been meaning to read for a very long time. And I probably will get to it fairly soon. I'm going to be, I'm getting into the summer, which is when I tend to do more reading because when I have time off it's a little bit more time to do that um but I'm I, I don't know I suppose I think Mr Fury I do I think I have heard that that is a lot of people's favorites but I always find especially with I mean it's not a trilogy anymore it's got right it was but it's, it's mainly a trilogy but it also <laughs> has a novella and then also a fourth book which is really more of a spin-off because it's different characters but yeah um <laughs> but as a trilogy I always find it really interesting especially when it's not the first book that's the favorite or the last one because I usually find with second books in a fantasy trilogy they're kind of filler books and yeah um, I'm probably gonna get hate for this but Catching Fire was absolutely that for Hunger Games okay I feel I, bad because I never read the Hunger Games so I don't I, know well that's kind of the way that's kind of what made me realize it because I'd written I'd read a lot of sort of trilogies around about that time and I couldn't put my finger on why I never liked the second book and I sort of read 
the second Hunger Games and it kind of crystallized it for me. It's like, no, this book exists to get to the third book and it's not like meaningful in its story. It's a mechanism to get to where we need to be in the next one. Yeah, definitely a bridge <laughs> thing. But yeah. I agree. I think that so many, like I've read a, a decent amount of trilogies, I'd say. And usually the second book is always the lowest rated for me personally. Filler. It's a filler I definitely book. <laughs> did not expect because I read A Court of Mist and Fury. Sorry, I keep wanting to just say Akamath because like that's what I'm <laughs> used to saying. Um, but I read that second book the year it came out and it actually took me a while to get to it because everyone, even like a month after it came out, um, was talking about how great it was. I saw so many things about it on Bookstagram and I was like, okay, I want to read it, but I'm definitely hesitant because I really liked the first book and I'm not sure if this is going to just be second book syndrome over and over again. Um, but then when I finally read it, it was like way, it was beyond like what I could have wanted. Mm -hmm. And I think that it pushed the story in a direction that I didn't expect. So it didn't feel like filler at all. Mm -hmm. Um, if anything, the last book in my opinion is the one that <laughs> didn't really like meet my expectations yeah. because it was I don't know it just felt rushed which is weird because it's like 700 pages long and so that one is like the weaker length for me yeah. um which is the first time I've ever said that about a, a trilogy or when it yeah. used to be a trilogy yeah definitely I think I probably still refer to it as a trilogy just even though I mean I've never read it but I just I always find when you get a sequel to a series that was really popular and well established and it's kind of out of the regular cycle of when the books were coming out so I mean usually with the trilogies they'll sort of come out every maybe one one a year for three years or maybe every other mm -hmm. year for six and I think once you come out of that and then maybe it's been five or ten years since the last one came out and then you release another one I just think it's so risky because it obviously runs the risk of just not being as good not living up to fan expectations or maybe even yeah. trying to cater to fans too much and therefore going completely the other way and it's 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 a brave move for any author that wants to it's, do it. it really is and I think that when I first like heard because when the th when the last book came out at that point we already had an idea um, or it was already like mm. known that she was going to write more in that world. And it was like, well, why am I like gearing up for this finale if there's going to be more? But yeah. I think that technically, yeah, that the fourth book that just came out could have been a spinoff book because the first three books follow Feyre and her story. And um, then it's a novella, which is kind of bridging the two. And then that fourth book follows her older sister. And so it definitely didn't need to still be like Akatar book four um but did I still love it absolutely yeah. but it didn't need to be Akatar book four and most of the trilogies that I think have gotten like expanded upon in the last couple of years I haven't even read them because I'm like they are trilogies in my mind so like I think that happened with Shatter Me and maybe even The Darkest Minds I don't know a few of those um trilogies that I read a long time ago I think once I started kind of dabbling into other genres a bit more they had suddenly had like five books instead of just three and I was like oh but I never went back to them because I was like they are gonna stay trilogies in my mind and I want to savor those conclusions yeah. that I read even if it's not a real conclusion anymore I think they when, are for me <laughs> when they give away that they're going to carry on writing in that world it kind of takes away a lot of the stakes because I don't know whether it's just me who does this to make myself feel better but when things are getting really like 
intense and the stakes are really high in a book if I know there's a sequel to it I kind of feel safe because I know realistically the majority of the characters need to survive it because we've still got another few books it's like in a movie when you you know you've still got an hour left and it seems like you know the worst is going to happen you go well you know there's an hour left in the film um so it's fine um but I think I don't know I, I mean an example like of a series that carried on longer than I suppose um it was originally intended as the mortal instruments was originally supposed to be a trilogy it was supposed to be just the first three books and then it ended up spawning into a second trilogy so it ended up being six <laughs> books um which is why you have two very distinct and separate arcs for the villains i suppose because yeah. the first arc comes to an end on the third one and then it spawns into the second arc which i mean i enjoyed the series when i read it i was younger when i read it i probably i have still have a soft spot for it now but i think I could have been happy with just the first three books. That's so interesting because I I think I did know that it was supposed to be a trilogy. um, But by the time I got into it, I think I was waiting on the sixth book to come out. Yeah. And so, yeah, they do feel so like separate. And that's why I think so many people like hate City of Fallen (laughs) Angels, uh, the fourth book, because it was Mm -hmm. just like, what's happening? Setting up a new one. Yeah. And what's even more interesting to me is that like her other series in that world have all been trilogies. They've been quite long. And so they probably have like the same page count as the Mortal Instruments um, does, but they, they're all trilogies. And so that's so interesting because she kind of made that first series, the six books. And I guess that's like the, the starting point of Mm -hmm. the Shadowhunter Chronicles and the Shadowhunter world. Um, but all the other ones, she's kind of like reverted back to the trilogy thing yeah. and not expanded on them. No, I don't think she should either. Just because I, I mean, I love, so Infernal Devices was my favorite trilogy in that world. And I cannot wait until she finally finishes The Last Hour so I can read it because I can't deal with waiting for the last book again. I was the same as you. So I came to Mortal Instruments just before the last book came out yeah it seems Um, like so many people did which is like very interesting that was like one of the first times I had to like go to the bookstore and get the last book or something so it's it for me too it has a really soft spot for me yeah I'm not sure how much I would like fawn over them today because I did reread um City of Bones I think in January um just like for the fun of it. But yeah, it was it was definitely experience like reading that cliffhanger in City of Lost Souls and then being like, I have to wait how long for the next book to come out? Yeah, I sort of, I started reading them just after I properly, so I got into reading through sort of Rick Riordan's books and Percy Jackson and um, specifically Heroes of Olympus because I remember the utter agony of finishing Mark of Athena with its god-awful cliffhanger at the end of it and knowing that I had to wait 10 months wow (laughs) possibly 11 months to find out what happened because he was not telling anyone (laughs) and um yeah around about the same time that's when I read Mortal Instruments so I read the first five books like I just binge read them and then I ended up pre-ordering the other one and being absolutely devastated that it didn't match any of the other books because it was enormous <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's it was, huge it was, I think that was probably the first time that I had like gotten a book that long because that was a series that kind of got me into reading it was mm. it was City of Bones actually and so in between that I think I did read or start other series but it was mainly that I was like all about the Mortal Instruments that's actually why my name on Instagram is City of Deja oh, because really? of City of Bones so <laughs> Fun fact, but I think that that story um, is 
it's always going to be like super special to me, but I've found that I'm kind of waiting for her to be like done with the Shadowhunter Chronicles before I go back into it because I've tried a couple of times, but I also like you don't want to wait again. And then I don't know, I kind of want to just have them all there and be able to read them at my own pace without new ones keep on coming out yeah I think with um the thing with series now is I definitely just don't have the patience to wait for books to be released because it doesn't matter how good the cliffhanger is if I have to stop reading and then wait months for the next book I kind of just I've been reading things in the interim I've just come so fully out of the world that I'm not as immersed and my stakes aren't as high with it it's the reason why I haven't finished the throne of glass series it's the Mm -hmm. reason why I still haven't finished the dark artifices and um the the character in last hours so um the infernal devices is my favorite of the trilogy i desperately want to know what happens to the characters like after that because that's the world that last hours is set in which is why yeah. i own the first two last hours books but i'm not going to read them until i have the third one because i i want to read them all in one go so i can get the full story and really appreciate it that being said i am a bit nervous about it because i even though i still enjoy the books and when I do read them I after reading the dark artifices because they are like ridiculously large books like almost a thousand pages a piece and as I I appreciate I the reason why I read Cassandra Clare is because I love her her characters but um she is essentially writing fan fiction about her own fictional characters now yeah okay (laughs) I feel like you put that into words perfectly because it's like I started reading Chain of Gold I think earlier this year, because I was like, well, maybe I should since the next one is going to come out and I can kind of like get back on that train, Mm. uh, which I don't know why I thought I would, because I tried to do that with the Dark Artifices and I just didn't because I was like, I'd rather just wait. too many characters. Um, There's just too many. There's so many. (laughs) And it's like, she loves to do like this family tree type of thing, um, which is great, but I I can't do it all in my head. I can't do it all. And so when I first started reading Chain of Gold, I also love the Infernal Devices. I was like, I don't want the same thing to happen to when I read Lady Midnight, which was mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, where's Clary? Where's Jace? Where's, where are these characters that I already know? Like, I yeah. want to give these new ones a chance, um, but it wasn't completed at the time. And so I think that that's why I was like, not as into it. Um, but I do want to be, but it's true. They're more like cotton candy reads in that when I first read them, I was like the perfect age for them. Um, yeah. And they didn't feel... I don't know. I didn't really have anything to compare it to. So of course I love them. But like now that I've read so many other books, they don't like stand as my favorite favorites because it's like, I have to be in the mood for her writing and um, like kind of her plot too, because I think sometimes it can start off like super like actiony and then get low in the middle. So I need to be in the mood for all of that. And that's why I'm like, once she's done, you know, I'll go back. But right now, there are so many other things that I'll probably read. Yeah, the focus has shifted a lot more to the romance and that sort of thing. And these huge characters of character, which when you think and compare it to the mortal instruments, when really the characters you cared about were Jace, Clary, Simon, Isabel and Alec, which is a group of five. And then, you know, even Magnus, who was a big part of that, isn't he's not one of the main cast of characters Alec even to an extent doesn't really form a huge part of it um it's, right yeah it's really it's really more about just like Jason Clary and then I suppose these people who just happen to always be around them um but like the dark dark artifices there was just so many and, and then I, someone recently told me that like I told them I hadn't read the third book 
and they said well she adds even more characters than the third book and that's kind of like what I'm just because oh, I remember what happened at the end of the second one and it is very cliffhangery and I don't really like I was not in the mood to sort of go into I suppose the the fallout from that um knowing that it was going to be horrible <laughs> uh, when I went into it and just all of the characters and keeping them all straight in my head and I just feel like because it's so romance driven and because they it just feels a lot like I suppose fan fiction not in a derogatory way but in the way that it's fan service that she she is working with characters that she knows the kinds of characters that she knows fans love and she's working with specific groups of characters because she knows fans love them and that's great but I don't think that's the basis of all good storytelling because right she's, she's writing it for people who really want to read just about those characters and not because the story is where those characters are so we end up with a lot of extra stuff that's just not necessary to the story that she's telling um because realistically the dark artifices has got a really strong plot but you know you just shave off a lot of the extra character (laughs) arcs that just aren't necessary to the plot yeah and I think she's a braver editor Yeah, and that's honestly what I thought about um, the last Mortal Instruments book, Mm -hmm. because of course I was so excited to read it, but I was a bit disappointed in that, like, I think that that was kind of serving as our intro to the Dark Artifices, because we see what happens to Emma and Julian because of what happened is it the mortal war i can't even yeah, remember so but because of, whatever happens like um, the big thing the la institute and all that stuff so, so yeah the dark war I think yeah they called that's, that one. that's kind of okay yeah the dark war i know that there were two <laughs> yeah there was um, two but what happened with that was i was you know of course very interested in the plot and seeing those characters but i felt like there was almost like such a focus on like emma and julian and them and while I, I understood that it was to set up this next series, I was like, a, I was still wanting so much more because I was like, I kind of wish that this was like just about Clary and the gang because I love them so much. And so that was one thing that that's why I thought that that one was probably going to be my favorite of the series. And then it wasn't because I feel like it was so long because we were adding in those parts and they were going to be important later on, obviously. And I like that it wasn't I like that she kind of did that so we didn't have to just work in flashbacks when we got to Lady Midnight. But still, I was like, you could have just gave me Clary and Jace being happy and saving the world. And that would have been okay. Like, finally. No. (laughs) We worked so hard. (laughs) It was, it was, yeah. I'm glad that you kind of brought that up, though, because uh, that's been sitting on my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just one of those things that's like, I think that's why I enjoyed the the Shadowhunter uh, Academy stories more than I okay, did I haven't say. read those so I enjoyed them slightly more than I enjoyed the Bane Chronicles because even though I enjoyed the Bane Chronicles the Shadowhunter Academy stories um they're very much about Simon there's like a few flashbacks that go to other characters but it very much deals with like a lot of the aftermath of of what happens after the mortal instruments like not okay. as opposed to anything that happens like it's before the dark artifices and I really appreciate that there's a few flashbacks to you know um the infernal devices times and that sort of thing there's some stories that are set further back in the past and that sort of thing but it's mainly just simon and and his time at the academy which is really cool but yeah anyway sorry minor um mortal instruments tangent which i actually am not entirely <laughs> yeah. sure how we got there but um <laughs> it was a good, good discussion all the same um, it needed to happen <laughs> it needed to obviously needed to happen we needed to get these these thoughts out into the world um so moving on what is the third book that will be on your list taking 
with you two at Hawaii. So my third book is Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. And this is a uh, book one in a trilogy. And I read it, I actually reread it for the first time uh, last year. And then when I read it, I think the first, first time was in 2015. I decided to reread it because I was interested in finishing the trilogy and it became one of the best like fantasy books I'd ever read. Um, so the, I think that more people are familiar with Strange a Dreamer. For, so for this one, I'll give a small uh, opener. Basically, the like once you open it up, that first part, um, the act one kind of set up is a quote that says, once upon a time, an angel and a devil fell in love. It did not end well. And after that, honestly, that's all you really need to know. But if I had to give a little bit more, it follows our main character named Karu, who is an artist um, or art, art student in Prague. And she has blue hair. She has all these tattoos. And she's like a very like interesting girl, I guess, um, because she was raised by these like monster beast figures. And so um, she is raised by them and she doesn't really know like why they are the ones who raised her, but she kind of just goes with it. And there's one of them, his name is Brimstone. He's kind of her father figure who she has the weird task of collecting teeth for. So she goes on all of these (laughs) uh, missions, I guess, to collect teeth for him and bring it back. She doesn't know why, but she just does it. And then one day when she uh, is like going to this portal uh, to basically get to her family the portal is burned as is every other portal like around the world that connects what is her world to this like other world that we don't know too much about um and that's kind of the setup of the story and so I read it for the first time last year and it just became like one of my new um I did not read it for the first time I re I reread it last year and um it was the best decision ever because I knew I loved it the first time that I read it but this time I loved it so much more and the reason I would have to bring it with me honestly is because I think this book is like a master class in storytelling like it's it's crazy the way that Lainey Taylor was able to craft this story it's also quite short but she does so much in like a I think a 400 page book and it's amazing. So I would, I would definitely take it with me if only to like fawn over the writing and because it's like a star cross lovers, like fantasy romance. I feel like romantic tension is a better way to describe it. <laughs> and so I would obviously have to have that with me. Oh, romantic tension is better than actual romance, like all the way. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the romance that never comes to anything is always better. Um, okay, so Daughter of Smoke and Bone is one that I've heard a lot about. And I actually think I remember seeing you, one of your videos, you talked about that you'd reread it and that it was one that you really enjoyed. And yes. I, so I remember this. So there's uh, a few people that I, so I catch the train to work every day. There's a few people who sit on my train who also read and one of my fun hobbies while I'm also on the train because we don't particularly all know each other very well as I'll be reading on the train but I will also peek at what they're reading and um, one of them particularly reads a lot of YA fantasy and Daughter of Smoke and Bone was one that she read and she actually did recommend it to me when we got to chatting one day and I don't know why I never ended up picking it up but I... I don't know, maybe it's coming to it at the right time, but Lainey Taylor is not an author I've ever read anything of hers before. Okay. Even though I've heard so much about it, I don't know why. I just, I think I got an, I got into, especially with YA, I got into a stage where I stopped trying new authors in the genre because I felt yeah. safe in my pocket of authors and I, I didn't want to venture out anymore. Um, did you say it's a trilogy? It is. It's a trilogy. 
And um, I feel like she's mainly known for like her like main five books, which would be the Daughter of Smoke and Bone trilogy mm-hmm. and the Stranger Dreamer duology. I'm pretty sure yeah. she has some earlier books, um, but these are the ones that are like uh, traditionally published. And Big so hits. I think that, the, yeah, they're the ones that people like really, really know. Um, but it is a trilogy. And I was the same way in that before last year, I was kind of like, listen, I know what I like in YA fantasy and I know what I don't like. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and reading a whole bunch of romance and like a YA fantasy book every now and then, maybe like twice a year. (laughs) I was doing that for a while, actually, because after a while, I kind of just got done with being disappointed every time I picked up something new that sounded really great. But it was it ended up being kind of the same thing I had read before I got really sick of that but Lainey Taylor let me tell you does not do that like her books are so so unique I've never read anything like Daughter of Smoking Bone I'm only in the beginning of Strange's Dreamer but I can tell with that one too it's like nothing else that I've ever read and what's interesting to me is that Daughter of Smoking Bone published in 2011 I'm pretty sure so it is a, an older YA book and it's in like it made my favorites list. Yeah, <laughs> like and it made YA my favorites list of 2020. Like yeah. it still holds up like extremely well. I think that her writing and the way that she told this story wasn't falling into, I guess, like the tropes that were probably super popular around that time, which would probably be like more paranormal. I don't know if like this type of, I, think I feel like fantasy romance. It was very like, okay, in the- yeah the YA sort of scene at that time was very dystopian it was Hunger Games matched the Delirium trilogy that makes more sense (laughs) that sort of so So, she didn't fall into that at all and I think that um that's why it's a book that you know people can still really enjoy all these years later because it was so so unique and I think that honestly the cover is probably what made people not pick it up because it's like a a woman with like a mask on but it's like a feather mask and it's kind of weird and honestly even though I've read the book I still don't know like what the cover means Um, but it's not it's very odd (laughs) it doesn't convey to me what you've told me the book is about not at all but it it did get new covers it did get new covers recently have you seen those no I haven't I might I'm gonna quickly I'm gonna quickly google them so I can look yeah because I think that they are cooler do they convey everything either maybe not but it's hard like I think that Lainey Taylor herself said it's hard to even like elevator pitch this series because there's so much happening what I just said is from like the synopsis on the dust jacket but I think it might be a little bit more condensed now but those are cool covers those are much cooler I definitely much so there's ones that have got doors there's ones that's the the mask and then there's these Mm -hmm. ones which are very sort of neon yeah. And they're very, they're very cool. I see, I would stop and pick that up in a store, <laughs> but with the other one, and it sounds like I, I know they say they never judge a book by its cover. And I, you know, I'm, but we all do. <laughs> we all do. I would just, the thing is, I think there are some books that you can read and they're amazing, but they've got terribly designed covers. But generally speaking, a terribly designed cover is just an indicator of how much love, energy, and money went into publishing the book. And yeah. if it doesn't look like a lot of, um, production value has been put into it it usually does not speak to the publisher's faith in the story so I that's probably why I ended up skipping over it especially because like you when it originally came onto my radar because even though it was published in 2011 it kind of had like a, a resurgence a few years after that 
that I yeah it did yeah and that I sort of that's when it came onto my radar the reason I didn't read it was because I'd gotten to a point like you where I'd read so much YA fantasy and you know it just got to a point where I could comfortably predict pretty much everything that would happen in a given way yeah. trilogy and it kind of just got it got to a point where even though I enjoyed sort of those tropes it just wasn't as fun to read them anymore which is kind of why I stopped reading dystopian stuff it's why I stopped reading stuff about vampires it's why I kind of stopped reading YA fantasy which really I think the trend that's just passing us by now is fairy fantasy um sort of trying to do game of thrones but light um, <laughs> high fantasy yeah. type um YA novels they seem to have just passed and then we're kind of going into a new sort of phase of popular YA which to be honest I'll be interested to see what the overall theme is because we get you know rent like general trends and that sort of thing but I mean I read oh an older series Rebel of the Sands trilogy and I think I've heard of it but I haven't read it even though I finished it even though I enjoyed it I knew absolutely every, I was not surprised at any point in the mm, story okay um it was very much it was it was slightly different because it was dressed up in different folklore which I hadn't read before I do maybe question the care and research that may, went into that folklore because it was not of the author's um nationality I don't think so I don't really know it didn't feel well researched when I read it and I that very much left me with a bad feeling because it just it didn't it didn't feel well researched and then especially now having read City of Brass which is far more (laughs) I suppose not even necessarily yeah it's intricate in its um depiction of the same sort of folklore and that's well I don't know if folklore is the right word mythology that's not western it's um not India I think it's 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 Jin and Muslim um based folklore and stories and that sort of thing um it just feels more intricate and well loved and cared for in the way that it's been strung together and and I did not get that feeling from Rebel of the Sands and it just Mm -hmm. it made me not want to do a lot of research into the author themselves um personally because it felt right appropriate (laughs) right and I think like I'm not sure when that series came out, but I feel like that was like oddly, maybe not a trend is the right word, but that was definitely something I feel like authors were more like into doing um, earlier on <laughs> um, in some of the YA books that I read. Like for example, I there was a book called Tiger's Curse. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. And that one is basically um, like a YA fantasy, but it's set in India and it kind of I'm not sure if it's like actual um, mythology or folklore or if like she kind of just said it there and made it up because basically it's like a fantasy romance where like the love interest, he can like turn into like a white tiger and it's like a whole thing. Um, But that one too, like I I was recently doing like a try chapter, well not recently, I did like a try chapter of a few old books and to see if I wanted to keep them and continue on with the series. And that was one where I knew from like the prologue that, it was not going to do what I wanted it to do. And although I had read that book before, I didn't feel the need to go back to it and kind of struggle through this interesting use of, um, you know, like this, this folklore mythology from India. It just didn't seem like something I wanted to do. Yeah. And there are tons of other books I could read that probably like incorporate it more seamlessly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, so Rebel of the Sands came out in 2015. It was originally published okay. and it was of a trilogy. 
Um, the author herself is from Canada, and I'm sure she's probably very lovely, but I personally think, and I wasn't really switched onto this at the time when I had, because I just had the book, so I read them. Um, it wasn't something that I'd really researched, but I think I'd probably prefer to read um, novels. If novels are set in a culture or folklore or religion or whichever outside of my own, I would rather read it from an own voice, voices author, someone with, I suppose, first-hand experience or knowledge of those sort of things, as opposed to even someone who's very well researched. I just, I would rather someone make money from talking about their own culture and their own yeah, yeah. Lived experience than than vice versa and it just yeah it just I think it just it just you get a very different tone and that sort of thing but back to Daughter of Snow and Bone um <laughs> I do think those new covers are amazing and Lainey Taylor I feel like I need to she's just she's very everyone who reads or loves her <laughs> I've I've noticed yeah that's what it seems like and that's why I'm really excited to give Stranger Dreamer a try although I was I was a little bit hesitant because I love Daughter of Smoke and Bones so, so much. And it became like basically my new favorite trilogy when I finished it last year. And um, I think that Strange the Dreamer seems more popular because it came out like in 2017 as opposed to 2011. Mm. Um, but a lot of people who like really, really love Strange the Dreamer, I haven't heard them like talk about or review Daughter of Smoke and Bone. So I was like, I don't know, like maybe th- th- it might be a case where I love her first works or her not her first works but like her earlier stuff more than her later stuff uh but so far like the writing and everything is very it reminds me of daughter of smoking bone in a really good way and she still is tapping into that like lyrical poetic writing so I'm excited to get into it but I definitely was hesitant because daughter of smoking bone is just like mind-blowing to me like the way that she was able to weave that entire thing yeah, on my Google search for the covers, there is fan art of the characters and it looks very cool. She does look very, cool. very cool. And I yeah. think too, like the covers I just talked about, those are the new US covers, but the UK has, I don't know if they're new covers or if they're just for the 10th anniversary, but those are also really nice. Mm-hmm. Like Illumicrate did some did something with those and I'm still quite sad I did not get, but it's okay. Um, oh, there is some and those are also editions. really, yes. yes. And those are also really, really nice. Yes, definitely an improvement. I like the new cover. I like the, see, there are some, there's some authors where I find that the American covers are significantly better. And then there's other books where I do prefer the UK covers. Um, I've said it before, but Rick Reardon, all of his books, I will pay the American shipping just to get their yeah his covers are really really nice they're a lot nicer from the the american uh, publishers than they are from the uk ones because disney hyperion just produce really good quality hardbacks with just really gorgeous artwork that just it just i think it captures the books better whereas i i really do not like the british covers and i mean percy jackson and all of rick raiden's books they're just I love them and I've adored them since childhood but like I I the only reason I still own my Percy Jackson paperbacks in the UK covers is because they were kind of the first series I saved up my pocket money to go and buy so I I saved up all my pennies and then I went to the bookstore and I bought the full set and it was I think 25 pounds which was a lot of money to me as a small child right (laughs) um yeah and they are the ones that I sort of read to death and all the spines are all folded and (laughs) right they they they, they look well loved yes they, they look very loved so they're the ones that I've kept purely because they yeah they, and they've also got my 
terrible handwriting in the front that say that they're mine because I lent them to people and I did not trust people (laughs) with my book this is my I'm lending it to you but I really really want it back yes this is this is my book please give it back um so yeah Daughter of Smoke and Bone um a a backlist um book from early 2010s but definitely one worth picking up um yeah I might see now that they've got nice covers I've not got an excuse not to not to try I know honestly (laughs) I think that if you want to give anything by Lanny Taylor a try I feel like people should start with Daughter Smoke and Bone because it's like it's either I think I've seen most people say that it did like blow their mind um because there is kind of a plot twist in it and I did remember it from the first time that I read it um and so it has that value and like I said, it's extremely well-written, but also I think that she's able to craft characters in such a way that I don't see enough of in like YA or like in anything, because I also read a lot of like adult romance and she, instead of just like telling you everything or like telling you how you should feel about these characters is able to just like lay everything out about them and let you make up your own mind. And it's just, it's amazing. So highly recommend to anyone listening. And also a short one. So, I mean, 400 pages for the first book, definitely a short one by my standards because it feels like every book on my shelf at the moment is, it's either it's either 200 pages or it's a thousand pages and there's nothing in between. There isn't. It feels like everyone is writing like super long books these days. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I think they should all take a page out of George R. R. Martin's book, uh, literally, and split them into two. <laughs> they're less scary if you split them into two 500 page books instead of just publishing 900 pages Cassandra Clare (laughs) just yes I yeah (laughs) they're they're just all 900 pages I don't know why they're all 900 pages um but okay so Daughter of Smoke and Bone um what is the is the third book what is the fourth book that will be joining your list okay so the fourth one is going to be my next romance so this one is not a fantasy um, and it's called Built by Jay Crownover. So this is um, an adult romance that I feel like is kind of underrated. So I feel like I, I'll give a bit of a longer spiel on what it's about. Uh, but it's an adult romance book. And it's technically like a spinoff of this other series that she wrote. But you don't have to read that in order to read this one. Um, but it's a romance between uh, our hero who's named Zeb. And he is an ex-con. And um, so he has like quite a past. And it's a romance between him and this lawyer named Sayer. And so how it kind of works out is that he goes to her for some legal help after um, basically someone comes on his doorstep and is like, hey, um, you have a child that you didn't know about. And so figure that out, man. <laughs> and so he goes to her for her legal help because she's a family lawyer because he's like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I did not know that I had a child out there in the world. And um, so obviously they start working together more professionally until things kind of blossom from there. And so this has become one of my comfort books. Like this is a book that I've read so many times over. I'm very like, I know the storyline, like the back of my hand. And um, I really love the audiobook. So I, I just have to have it. Like it's, it will be weird not to have it on this list at but all. And I, that, would you have a physical copy or would you have the audiobook? Cause you can only have one. Uh, yeah okay you know what I probably have to say the audiobook and that's probably the only one I think that I would have to have the audiobook the other ones every other book on this list nearly um I've listened to the audiobook but like I want the physical copy um but this one you know what I would have to say I do want the audiobook with me it's really it's it's 
two narrators and the book itself is dual POV, which I love. And it's just, it crafts such an amazing romance that I never get tired of. Like I probably would want to reread it now that I'm talking about it. That's how it works every single time. Every time I bring up this book on my YouTube channel or on Instagram or whatever, I automatically want to reread it. And I don't even have a physical copy of it, which is the the weirdest part. Well, that sounds like you need to go to the bookstore and get a physical copy. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, just think you could, if you had a physical copy, you could tab and annotate and personalize it. We, uh, a friend of mine, we've recently discussed uh, doing for, I suppose, next birthdays and Christmas presents, reading a book through that we want the other person to read and then doing the annotations and that sort of oh thing my, and then that sending that copy gift. yeah yeah so we've we've talked about doing that I think I might end up doing City of Brass for it but I'm not entirely sure because I may end up sending her Six of Crows instead but we'll see <laughs> I think Six of Crows would also be really great I haven't read City of Brass yet but I know Six of Crows would also be great yeah I I really and <laughs> yeah I really enjoyed Six of Crows but I remember it's really interesting because like I I am a sucker for the exact same romantic lead in all of the books <laughs> that I read and um yeah Six of Crows and City of Brass kind of have that person and I usually get to a specific point in the book and there's always one line that tells me I'm like yep that's that's it that's the reason why <laughs> I like it um so yeah I definitely appreciate that is this I mean you say it's a spin-off from a series is it part of quite a long series of hers or um no there's another series that she wrote which is more of a like new adult romance I was about to say college romance it's not college but they're definitely college like aged um and it was definitely like super super popular when new adult romance was like taking off in like 2012 like 2013 around that time and so there's six books in that series which is called the marked men series and like I do recommend it I it's a series I read like over and over and I feel like it's kind of a staple in like new adult romances if you like romance. Um, but this one is like a spinoff from that. And it's definitely like more adult. Like, like I said, they both, um, well, she is a lawyer and he, though an ex-con like owns in um, a construction business or something like that. So they're very like adults with careers and it's like that type of thing. Um, and it's not as like tropey as a new adult like romance is, which I love, but I don't always want to read. This one, I feel like brings its own tropes to the table that I wasn't very familiar with, like that single parent romance thing. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's so good. Like when an author is able to like write a child character, but not make them like a baby who just like is saying baby stuff, but like an actual character, like, uh so, so good and I love the dynamic that everything that she kind of brings to the table with that one yeah definitely I think it is really good one and because I've read it sort of done very badly and run very poorly uh one of Same. my yeah one of a, a romance author I do really like is um Jay Daniels uh she Jay Daniels she writes uh an, so, a series set in Alabama and the very first book has a child character in it who I feel is very well read, even though they're quite young, it's very well written um, because it doesn't feel completely unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because either they're unrealistically advanced or they're just ridiculously like babyfied, even despite what age they put them in. And there's like no in between, yeah. but it feels like well balanced in those two things. So, yeah, it's um, always good when that's done really well. So, 
that's our final romance which means our fifth and final book is a fantasy book so um it is which is it (laughs) so this book um is called never seen by shannon messenger and again, it's a book in a series, but this is not the first book nor the second. This is the fourth book in the Keeper of the Lost Cities series, which is a middle grade fantasy. So this is my only middle grade pick. Um, but I also feel like this is a pretty underrated series. And the first book follows our main character uh, named Sophie, and she's a human, or she's always thought that she was a human. Um, but she's, all, she's always known that she's pretty different because she has a photographic memory. So when we meet her at the beginning of the book, she's like 12 years old, but she's a senior in high school because she just like skipped so many grades because you can do that with a photographic memory. Um, and she can, she's also a telepath, so she can hear like other people's thoughts, um, even when she's not trying to. And so one day she meets this boy who is also a telepath and she's kind of the only one who can see him and he tells her hey actually you're an elf you're not a human and come with me and he like whisks her off into this world of elves called the lost cities and um it's like a beautiful ride it's so so much fun I I recommend this to anyone who loves middle grade but also if you haven't read much middle grade but want to I think that this is a good place to start I started with Percy Jackson but then I read this like a couple of months later or maybe like a month later and just like fell in love um it's really really good and I would bring it because this fourth book really solidifies like the found family friend group that forms um we see it in the first couple of books too but like this one they all kind of go on this like journey together like a a literal journey (laughs) together and so I think that we're able to see the other characters interact a lot more and they're all like living in the same space and like this treehouse thing and it's so so much fun so I think I would have to bring this because it's so like fun and kind of lighthearted, but also these books pack a bit of a punch mm-hmm. because Sophie is a part of something like this huge scheme that she never would have imagined. Um, but things kind of start to make sense from her human life on why it wasn't necessarily like clicking before. And I just love watching her journey or reading her journey. Mm-hmm. And um, it really solidified it as like a series that I knew I was going to keep on going with after I read this fourth book so mm. definitely never seen by Shannon Messenger sounds awesome I I mean I really like middle grade when I I say I really like middle grade I don't know if I just really like Rick Riordan because he's probably the biggest author that I've read in that genre right um, <laughs> I just all of his series I just love um but I I love I I suppose I mean in a way middle grade is sort of it's simple but it's not simple because I kind of like the simplicity of you're different because you're an elf come with me mm-hmm. it's just right I love that simplicity but at the same time it's also not simple at all um you said it's right. the fifth book how many books are there in the series out of curiosity because middle grade books can like they have like series they are long <laughs> oh they go on long so I uh there's eight and a half out now they're like physically nine books but uh there's one book which is called eight Uh, book Mm 8.5 and it is a novella but then it also has like a lot of like info about the world there's like illustration so it's like that type of book Um, but in the narrative there are eight books and book nine doesn't come out until like next fall so quite sad there and I've only read up to book seven I want to start book eight and I did at one point, but now I'm like, should I just wait until like we get a little bit closer to 2022? I don't know. Um, But we also don't know whether we also don't know if book nine is going to be the last one. So it might be, but it also might be 10 books. Who knows? There's a lot. There's a lot. 
10's a nice round number. Maybe she should carry on going till 10. <laughs> I know. And I think, honestly, people who are fans of it would be, like, okay with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, because they're middle grade, are they shorter books, would you say? Or are they quite long? Uh, they are long books. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first one is maybe a little bit over 400 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, but the f- the fourth one, which is the one that I'm choosing, is like over 600. And then the next mm-hmm. one is over like, what's the next one? Yeah, it's probably the same. Also over like 600. Um, wow. The sixth <laughs> one is the longest. And that one's like nearly 900 pages. It's so, so long. Um, and then the other two after that are like in the 700, 800. Yeah, they're super, super long. But also a lot of book to get into. So that's always good as well. Um, is yeah. the, I mean, never see, is that, is there a specific reason why this particular installment, why this one stands out from all of the others or? I just think that this one, um, there's a lot to the plot that I really enjoy um, because the characters are traveling to uh, a different part of the world and the funny thing is that this is technically, I guess, a fantasy series, but, uh, well, it is a fantasy mm-hmm. series, but like there's parts of it that can feel kind of like urban fantasy. So this fourth book, I think toys with that because although they're elves, they have to like go somewhere else and they have to travel through the forbidden cities, which mm-hmm. are basically like the human cities. Mm-hmm. And um, they have to do it like quite, you know, methodically. And I really enjoyed that. And I also think that this one ends in a cliffhanger that was so, so unexpected, even though it should have been expected. (laughs) Um, And it deals with like my favorite character. And so everything about it was just like a roller coaster ride. And I think I would never like get tired of reading this particular one because the the first three, I definitely enjoyed. I gave them all four stars. Um, So far, the latter half of the series hasn't been as strong as the first half and definitely not like this fourth book. Um, But still, I'm going to keep on reading them. And I think that this one stands out because it has everything I would want in a middle grade book. It's so sweet, but it's also quite heart wrenching to read. (laughs) Well, that sounds amazing and a really great book to close out your list with just for the benefit of um, listeners. Uh, would you mind just running through all five of your picks? Definitely. So the first book is Anna and the French Kiss by Stephanie Perkins. Um, my second book was A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. The third book was Daughter of Smoke and Bone by Lainey Taylor. Book four is Built by Jay Crowniver. And the final and fifth book is Never Seen by Shannon Messenger. Excellent. And I I mean, I'm so glad I've <laughs> met someone who uh, found it may be not quite as difficult to do the list and that sort of thing because I uh, it's it's nice when you've got nice clear choices. I've I've had a couple of people who've said that you know for them it was just this list was already in their mind and they knew the books that they wanted to go on it. So always good that there's not a lot of um, indecision and being torn. But were there any books that you did almost add but didn't quite didn't quite make it? <laughs> There were. Um, and so I basically just went on like my favorite shelf on Goodreads, which in total has about like 12 books on it. Um, but some of them I wasn't sure. And most of them honestly are like romances on that list. And as much as I love them, I wasn't sure, like, did I want to bring like majority romance? Because I know that it's always going to end in a happily ever after. And some of these that are more like fantasy don't like they let they 
I mean, they end on a terrible cliffhanger and I wouldn't have the next book with me, but like, it's fine because I could just go back to the beginning and just live it all over again. Um, so that's why I didn't want to make it fully romance. Um, but I think I have like two other romances that I probably would have added on. And one is Colty by Mariana Zapata. And this is like a independently published um, slow burn sports romance that like the romance community on YouTube introduced me to. And just, wow, um, it is like a 600 page book or something. And it's a romance book, but it's so, so long because you watch these characters like become the best of friends and then more than that. And it's just, uh, yeah, I really wish I could have put it on the list, but alas. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one is The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, which is like probably also one of my all-time favorite romances. Yeah, mine too. (laughs) Built is like a little bit above it. So I had to add that one more than that one. Uh, but I also really love Helen Huang. And those are the definitely the two where I was like going back and forth on whether they were going to take built spot, but I've read that one more. So it felt like it needed to be on there. Yeah. Helen is, she was a new favorite author of me, of mine last year when I read The Kiss Quotient and then The Bride Test, which is the sequel to that and I have been waiting oh so patiently for the heart principle which was supposed to be out months ago and it's still not here because of the end of the world (laughs) I know I can't wait for that and especially because right now arcs finally went out for that one um and I don't have one and I'm like I want one but like I want my hands in this physical copy because I've waited so so long because that's how it was when I read the bride test I bought it and I read it and like 12 hours it was it's, it was great and I loved it <laughs> it's very rare these days when uh, that I like when a book arrives a pre-order arrives I read it immediately but the bride test definitely I, I read it immediately 100 percent. so I, I know I, it's going to be worth it to yes. read the heart principle I know it I plan on doing the same thing with the heart principle but like it just breaks my heart every time I get an email saying that the release date's been pushed back again and it's not going to be with me when I thought it was going to be with I know me. and uh, I break I mean, I, I stopped requesting arcs um, years ago. I closed my blog and I stopped requesting them because I just decided that it's not the way that I wanted to experience books because it came with too much stress with reviewing and that sort of thing. And I would rather just buy the book, support the author that way, you know, do it more, I suppose, organically, I suppose, because there was a lot of books that I requested that I necessarily wouldn't necessarily have maybe ordered had I have <laughs> had I just been, you know, ordering them usually. So I sort of changed my stance on it. So I didn't. I don't request arcs anymore, but I do still have access to my NetGalley and Idlewise accounts that have very good review ratings because despite the stress, I always kept on top of my my percentages and my ratios. And I did that. Oh, you know, there's a good chance that I might get one if I requested, but I, I stopped myself. <laughs> oh man, you have such good restraint. I think that I'm <laughs> the same way and that I don't use it as... I don't know. At one point, like I was like, oh, like totally. I definitely want to like get on the arc world, arc train. And now I think that like the more I've fallen into like my bookstagram thing, I'm less likely to request it myself. But like if I get an email about something where I was already kind of eyeing it, then I'll be like, yeah, sure. Um, but not as much anymore because you know I don't have all the time that I wish that I did. Like right now, I'm on summer break, so I can read a lot more. Yeah. But during the school year. Um, which are like pretty like big like publishing times the fall and the spring I don't have that much time to dedicate towards like 
books to read for review. I'd rather just read something that's been on my shelf for a couple of years anyways. Um, but I follow people who are like oh, such great reviewers and they're all reading The Heart Principle. And I'm like, I want to be you. Uh, but I know it's going to be so perfect when I go to the bookstore yes. and get it and just and read it and probably reread it and reread it. Yeah, the waiting makes it better I'm sure I completely relate to that I just handed in my final assignment for <laughs> university for my last semester this year last Friday and like the relief that just <laughs> oh, the burden off that's like take, yeah it's, and I'm like it's oh, immense nothing until September um I can't wait but yeah I definitely felt like that with arcs like I so I just found myself I read the books and even the ones I really enjoyed they were books I knew I wasn't going to read again which meant I then didn't go and out and buy them and I just then felt that I just I would support authors better if I just if I saw these books I wanted to read them at least they're getting my money when I bought them to read them that time and then I can just you know pass them on whichever and I just it just I found I just enjoy my reading a lot more that way um yeah and I definitely had to like fall back in love with reading which is so weird it's like it I didn't a job with arcs it's it so does stressful. it really does and it's like I never would have thought that I like if you ask 15 year old me like well, like what do you mean like you don't want to get books like early and like read them and stuff but it's like it becomes so excessive at one point and I and I've been doing like this I guess since I was a teenager and so like doing that when I was a teen was very like I guess fun but like the older I've gotten I'm like I kind of understand more what I want my relationship to books to be like that's why I kind of stopped aspiring actually to like be in the bookish world in a professional sense because I always wanted this to be a hobby for me yeah definitely I definitely relate to that I just I I mean the most books I've ever read in one year which to be honest is like small potatoes compared to some reviewers that I see online but I read 70 books the year that I did my blog um because I did it for a 12-month period end to end and I, I read I think just over 70 books during that time and I, I I'm actually quite sad that not a lot of them made a huge impact on me because just the cute the pure quantity that I was reading the speed I was reading them at and the purpose I was reading them for I was reading them to review them not to enjoy them and it right. just it very much felt like I I had a full-time job at the time I was doing it on my commute and then I was then spending weekends and evenings um, updating the blog and that sort of thing and when you start working full-time and that sort of thing you kind of get more of a sense of what your quote-unquote time is worth and right. um, I kind of came to the realization sort of 12 months later I I had no serious aspiration to be in the book or public bookish or publishing world professionally in any way shape or form but I was dedicating anywhere from 10 to 16 hours a week to basically doing a job for free for free yeah <laughs> and I uh just had to sort of really reevaluate sort of my time and how I wanted to spend it because it was a lot and it was it took a lot of the fun out of reading for me which was upsetting because it's something that had always been sort of a refuge and escape for me since childhood so um yeah something I've been able to reclaim in recent years but yeah. um definitely put me off ever you it I the main barrier is I deleted my saved passwords for all of my ARC accounts so if okay. I wanted to access them I would then have to go through like I forgot on what the passwords are so I would have to reset them through the email and all that sort of thing so it's enough of a barrier of inconvenience that I'm not tempted to log on yeah you're like you know what it's fine I'll yeah. just wait because sometimes like the waiting really does pay off so yes definitely I mean I remember after Mark of Athena and I had to wait for the house of Hades to find out what had happened um it was 
it was so worth it to finally finally get there a year later but yeah thank you so much for the discussion of your list it was so much fun and I have got even more recommendations honestly I think I love the podcast but it is the absolute worst thing for my TBR because it just ever I mean it grew on its own anyway right <laughs> so um having have so many people tell me about all the amazing books that they love is definitely not helping but if our listeners wanted to hear more from you and the books you love and any more of your recommendations where might they find you so I have a bookstagram account um at city of Deja and um, I'm also on YouTube at Dejasaur. So two different usernames, but uh, that's basically the places that I talk about books the most. Definitely equally cool usernames though. So you should definitely check out Deja's um, YouTube channel. I really enjoy it. I, have, I watch her videos and um, yeah, get lots of recommendations. If you like what you hear on the podcast and if you wanted to hear us again, you can subscribe using any of your podcast uh, preferred podcast providers. We're on Spotify. Apple Podcasts and pretty much all the places in between. And you can follow us on social media on Twitter or Instagram at Books to Last Pod. Thank you so much for listening. And Deja, again, thank you so much for being with us. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you.